Welcome to a new podcast episode created for the research project Humanitarian Diplomacy, assessing policies, practices and impact of new forms of humanitarian action and foreign policy. Our research project is based at Christian Mikkelsen Institute, CMI, and led by research professor Antonio de Lauri, and the project is funded by the Research Council of Norway. My name is Salla Turunen, and I am a doctoral researcher currently investigating the humanitarian diplomacy conducted at the United Nations. In today's episode, we will discuss another actor in the humanitarian field, especially known for its medical interventions. Medicine Sans Frontières, MSF, often rendered in English as Doctors Without Borders, is a medical humanitarian organization operating in over 70 countries. Joining me today is Reshma Adastia, who is the Head of Humanitarian Diplomacy and International Operations Coordinator at MSF. Reshma has been working in the international aid sector both in Canada and abroad for more than 16 years. In her current role as head of humanitarian diplomacy team of MSF, she leads multilateral, bilateral and thematic representatives, ensuring the humanitarian representation efforts are focused on operational priorities. She also provides strategic advice to the international president and secretary general of MSF. As the International Operations Coordinator, Reshma chairs the international platform of MSF Operational Directors, supporting the MSF movement by facilitating strategic operational exchanges. Welcome to the Humanitarian Diplomacy podcast, Reshma. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. Thank you for having us. Fantastic. Uh, let us begin. Uh, as alluded in the introduction, could you give us an overview of what humanitarian diplomacy means in the context of MSF? Absolutely. So I think I think one of the, the important things to sort of distinguish in the way that MSF approaches humanitarian diplomacy is really that that we use it sort of interchangeably the concept with humanitarian representation. And for us, the idea is really around ensuring that what we do with key actors and stakeholders who have an influence on the political humanitarian landscape globally is contributing our operational perspective and that we connect it very strongly with our operational priorities and needs. So from our side, we really do believe that it's important to have a very strategic engagement that is connected to operations to what we see in the field. And that goes back to sort of one of the, the foundations of, of who MSF is and, and our concept of témoignage, which is really connecting it to what we see, what we experience, what populations experience, and then representing that to various stakeholders, whether those are states or multilateral organizations or, or even other, other NGOs. Right, and that's quite interesting with this kind of overlap and nexus with diplomacy and representation. And some people could say advocacy. I, I'm a little bit hesitant to using word, words like lobbying uh, in this context as well. But it, it's it's the same phenomena, but from different perspectives and different emphasis, perhaps. But also, I wonder because MSF is a medical humanitarian organization providing medical aid to the patients worldwide. Does this affect uh, MSF's humanitarian diplomacy or humanitarian representation? presentation in any way? Absolutely. I think that's a really good question. I mean, I think indeed for us, our, our medical action is the core of our, of our humanitarian action, and it's how we meet the needs of populations in crisis. So for us, the, the 
rationale to develop relationships with nation states or multilateral organizations who have a strategic importance um, to the humanitarian landscape is around really considering, you know, what what are the experiences that our, our medical teams have and the implications of the medical humanitarian needs on the ground, um, and then using that to Indeed, I, I, I think you really use that concept around advocacy and um, and representation and diplomacy. For us, those things are very connected with each other and they're all rooted in the concept of what do we do, what do we see, and then how do we bring that forward? So, you know, when you talk to um, external actors and we get this feedback a lot from when we're engaging with you know, multilateral organizations or nation states on, um, you know, what we're seeing, what we're experiencing is that MSF is in, is in places where not a lot of other actors often are um, because of the value of our medical work where we're on the ground, we're hands-on, we're in these places ourselves. And through that, we often see things that others don't see. And for us, it's really important to make sure that that is represented effectively. So, you'll hear a lot that people will reach out to MSF to get the on the ground opinion, the, the operational perspective. And I think we we feel really strongly that that's something we offer that not a lot of others are able to offer in the same way. So for us, it's, it's really that connection. And I would agree sort of connecting the concept with lobbying is maybe a bit harder for us to, <laughs> to, um, to connect with, but but indeed, it's, it's, you know, it's different sides of, of you know, a, a multifaceted coin. And, and for us, it's really about making sure that there's that there's that rooting in operations and, and anything other than that um, for us is, is not as genuine in terms of who we are as an organization. Right. Right. And also like what you what you also uh, brought up is quite interesting in, in this sense that humanitarian diplomacy can be approached both as a public and private phenomenon. And MSF is quite interesting example uh, regarding the practices in public humanitarian diplomacy or representation in your case, meaning speaking about these disturbing issues behind humanitarian needs and conflict conflicts. Could you um, a little bit further elaborate that link and engagement? Sure. I mean, I think I think for us, it's um, it is indeed it goes back to sort of the different angles that one has to take when you're trying to raise awareness of a particular context um, or particular issues that might be taking place in, in a particular area. So for us, there's that there's that public element, which is really connected to our advocacy and communications where we feel like there's no other way than to be public about something and to raise that public awareness. Um, and then there is indeed that sort of um, more quiet, um, not hidden, and, and certainly we don't use that concept of silent diplomacy, but really around, you know, having that bilateral engagement, whether that's with other organizations or states, and, and having sort of frank conversations to provide a perspective, even when that's sometimes not what the, you know, the other party wants to hear. I think our philosophy that you see in the way that we communicate and the things that we say, which is very direct, very clear, very much um, representative of the context on the ground and the medical needs and the humanitarian needs on the ground, we approach our 
bilateral representation or diplomacy in exactly the same way. So we don't soften our messages. Um, we really try to make sure that that sense of honesty and transparency that we have publicly, that we do the same thing bilaterally. Mm -hmm. So this kind of clear direct messaging that you're talking about, I wonder when you talk about it bilaterally, you're talking about it in, in case of external stakeholders. How about internally? How, how easy it is for MSF to agree as an organization on these messages that you are sending out or certain political positionings that you may take, uh, take in a conflict? That's a really good question um, because, of course, the structure of MSF is, is quite unique. Um, compared to other international organizations. So we have um, a multiple uh, operational center approach. So we have different operational centers um, that actually are the ones who are responsible and um, who do you know, conduct the actual operations on the ground in various contexts. So you'll find that in some places and, and for, for listeners, they'll, they'll resonate with this very much. In certain places, you'll have more than one MSF on the ground. And for for many that can be quite confusing, but I think I think there's a couple of things when it connects to our representation and diplomacy. So for for the team that I lead, um, we try to make sure that there is a coherent message. Obviously we we, you know, there are some things that come to the forefront that are very clear regardless of of who's operational on the ground. There is there is sometimes the negotiation that needs to take place internally, but for the most part, that sort of um, reality that we're really focused on témoignage, that we're focused on what we see and how and how we see it um, through our work, is really how it becomes um, the priority in terms of defining uh, defining what what we say. And I think that connection to operations, that sort of embedding of humanitarian representation or diplomacy into operations means that, you know, it's operations that crafts the messages. It's operations that defines what it is that we need to say. What is the issue? Why do we need to talk about it now? And it's for my team to really help define the strategy around delivering those messages. So, so there's this really clear partnership all the way through, and we really sort of talk a lot about how humanitarian representation and diplomacy is a service to our operational ambitions. We really want to make sure that what we do is about ensuring continued assistance to populations. And, and that's, that's who we are as an organization. That's why we exist, is to deliver assistance. And I think um, we use humanitarian representation or diplomacy as a tool to facilitate that. Hmm. And I wonder, uh, of course, in the context of MSF, it's, it's quite unique in a sense that uh, Médecins Sans Frontières is uh, solely funded by private individuals, foundations and companies versus national governments, let's say in the case of the UN and even ICRC. Uh, how does that, how this different kind of funding base and donor base affect uh, MSF's humanitarian diplomacy slash representation? That's a that's a really, really good question. I mean, we do have uh, a few institutional donors currently and, and you know, they make up a, a small percentage of our of our total funding. But um, I think with with sort of the way that MSF has always functioned, even when we did have more increased um, institutional funding and, and some some listeners may sort of 
go back to the time of the EU-Turkey deal where we were getting ECHO funding at the time and we felt really strongly that we couldn't sort of stand behind those the policies of, of the EU at the time and, and we, 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 you know, stopped all funding. But, you know, I think... I think that there isn't really that much that we feel um, hindered by when it comes to where we get our funding from. And I think it's because when you root representation and diplomacy into operations, you're not sort of trying to play politics. You're not trying to play a policy game. You're really sort of talking about what is happening? What are we seeing? What are the medical needs or what are the humanitarian needs? And you're representing based on on facts that we see and we experience ourselves. So I'm not sure that um, that if we had more institutional funding that we would be um, that we would approach representation or diplomacy differently, if I'm being honest, because I think, you know, we've we've been doing sort of representation and diplomacy for many years. And, you know, we've gone up and down in terms of the percentage of institutional funding we've had. And I I don't recall, I mean, even when I was back in operations, I don't recall having a, um, yeah, a feeling like I couldn't say something or there would be, or we would be sort of handcuffed by by donors. I'm not sure that it actually does make a, a difference in, in terms of the approach that MSF takes. Hmm. Right. I, I think that's a really fascinating point of view and an entry point into this whole engagement. Because, for example, I, I know in the context of UN, both as a practitioner and researcher on the UN, that, of course, if, if you have certain donor countries, they have certain partner countries and interest in certain geographical locations, they might want to influence programming and the interventions that are being taking place. So there is this kind of fine balancing that you need to be quite pragmatic in these issues of how do you make the interventions that you wish to make at the same time as kind of feeding into this global uh, politics that are around aid and humanitarianism. And in some ways, when MSF is out of that game, out of those kind of national government relations, it gives a certain kind of liberty, at least as an observer from outside. Yeah, I mean, I could I could see that perspective, definitely. Um, but I also think that, you know, this year is sort of 50 years that MSF has been been in existence. And I, I, I'm not sure that any of our donors would sort of look at MSF and think, yeah, we we could influence their programming. Um, I think I think that we sort of have always had a bit of that historic relationship, even when we did have um, you know, big donors to be able to to, you know, to to really insist on the independence of of action as an organization. So um, so I can see that from the outside, it, it probably means that, you know, there's a perception that MSF has more space because we're not funded. But I think that um, part of that space just comes from the way that the organization has been created and its principles and its values. Um, so I think that, yeah, I mean, I don't think it's completely in isolation, of course, but um, but I'm not sure that we would be uh, more susceptible to needing to, you know, play that game, as you say, um, if we had more funding. Right. 
Right, thanks Reshma. Um, maybe tapping into that historical perspective that you kind of started already. As we know, MSF is historically emerged, has emerged from the Red Cross movement. So what would you see as the main differences or similarities between MSF's humanitarian diplomacy vis-a-vis -vis, uh, Red Cross's humanitarian diplomacy? That's a, a really good question. And and of course, we we do engage with with our colleagues at the Red Cross um, on, on various things. But I think I think there's a couple of things. I think first that we are um, we when we go into a context, we, we go in as an NGO um, and not as an international organization, which is which is sort of how the Red Cross goes in. There's a different sort of status that the Red Cross has when they go into a context and we really go in. Um, with a different sort of liberty and um, and independence into into an area, um, also because of our medical work. So we do partner a lot with ministries of health. Um, so our our sort of government partners are often very different um, than the Red Cross, which which means that we're really building on um, you know very tangible uh, medical humanitarian relationships um, and less on the um, very heavily or overtly political relationships, which, you know, some organizations, including the Red Cross, need to have, which is, you know, obviously um, something that's important because they they do great work. Um, but I think for us as well, um, and, and it's interesting because if you, I mean, I obviously I wasn't around when, <laughs> when the split happened, but um, but, you know, if you hear sort of anecdotally um, what what the rationale was from the split, it was really around this concept of, you know, speaking out and um, being being more forceful and more public about what was happening in, in different contexts and the distinction between, you know, silent diplomacy and, and témoignage. And I think for us, that's probably still one of the biggest differences right is that um we don't feel as entrenched in some of the the policy or um political arenas um because we're we're a little bit less uh linked to them in in that sense we really focus um our connection to operations and our connection to engaging with states through our operations. And that I think is one of the biggest differences. But we do, I mean, part of part of the responsibility of my team is to, you know, engage with all actors. And those are whether they're, you know, states or multilaterals or, or other organizations, because everyone's sort of part of that landscape. And, and we have to be able to express what we see in different ways to different actors that's that's also part of what representation is right you you sort of adjust the way you communicate a message depending on who you're communicating it to but but the but the content doesn't change and i think i think that's a little bit how how we frame it and also structurally you know the red cross movement um you know they have sort of the parts of the ICRC and the and the IFRC, but the ICRC is is one big organization, and with MSF, where multiple organizations that come together to form a mass. So it's slightly different in in terms of also how we approach um, response. Right. 
And maybe maybe given this <clears throat> kind of relationship that you you have talked to and also these differences, um, I asked the same question uh, from Hugo Slim, who was visiting us on episode four on, in the context of ICRC. But I'll go ahead and ask the same question for you in the context of um, Medicine Sans Frontières. That who who do you think that is like, a, or what does it take to be a humanitarian diplomat for MSF? So if we look into this kind of art and craft of humanitarian diplomacy and representation, so what are some of the distinctive features that that what does it take? It's a it's a great question. So I'm I'm going to first say that we don't have humanitarian diplomats in MSF. We certainly we would certainly sort of um, object to that characterization. But we we do have humanitarian representatives in the organization, and. Um, for me, as as head of the team, um, and as somebody who who has really worked to to craft sort of the strategy of the direction of how we move on humanitarian representation over the last few years, um, I would say the biggest the biggest thing that is that is sort of critical is an awareness and an understanding um, from a very uh, practical perspective of operations. So what does it mean to be on the ground, to deliver assistance, to be engaged in these environments? Um, so, you know, if I look at, at the, you know, at the team that I have in place right now, all of them have a significant operational background. And that's really important for the way that MSF defines um, humanitarian representation. So you have to understand operations, you have to have lived it, and you have to have experienced it to understand when you're engaging with others external to the organization that you're really speaking from a place of experience and without that um, our entire sort of principles around humanitarian representation doesn't really hold so i would say that's the most important for us um, in in practice you know i believe that everything else can be learned <laughs> um, but i don't believe that that sort of hands-on being on the ground experience and operations can be learned without the experience. So um, I think, you know, having, you know, good communication skills, um, the ability to to articulate, the ability to respond in particularly challenging conversations, the ability to negotiate, all of those things are critical, but I think they can all be learned over time. Um, so I think if you start with a really solid foundation of operations and, and an MSF, that's critical. Um, then I think the rest of it sort of comes together. Um, but that would be for us what's what's the most important in terms of really being able to uh, be an effective representative for MSF. Right, right. So very operationally uh, driven, as, as you've been saying all along. I'm also now wondering when humanitarian diplomacy, of course, is an age old practice, uh, but quite emerging term. But now when we think about this whole phenomena of humanitarian diplomacy, humanitarian representation, uh, Rashma, what kind of a way forward do you see for humanitarian diplomacy and, and that kind of engagement? So how, how would you like to see this phenomena in the future? Yeah, it's a, that's a really, really good question. I mean, I think I think there's a few things that, that I think about when when you've asked that question. And I think the first is that we have to remember that um, that there that there needs to be sort of a um, a clear acknowledgement that there is a tension between, you know, the operational imperative and building relationships as as a rationale in and of itself. And I think I think what humanitarian diplomacy 
could do in the future is is understand that distinction a little bit better. Um, you know, it's for humanitarians, it shouldn't just be about building relationships for the sake of relationships. There should be a rationale behind it. And, and that rationale, regardless of what it is, should be able to be clearly communicated when you're engaging in humanitarian diplomacy. I think it's important to have you know, a real vision towards what is the status of the organization, what is the rationale of the organization, and then really build that in your in your strategies of, of humanitarian diplomacy. Um, and I think it also, what's really important is that sort of professionalization. So I do appreciate that move towards, you know, towards people sort of studying it, understanding it, and engaging in it, and having you know, a real sort of robust understanding of what it means, because I think that can only help when, you know, humanitarian representatives or, you know, humanitarian diplomats, um, whatever we're calling them, depending on the organization, of course, um, that when they start engaging with nation states or multilateral organizations that, you know, there's a bit of an awareness of what that means and, and what the rationale behind it is. So I find it really, um, really, yeah, inspiring, I think, that, that you know, this sort of hidden part of the humanitarian sector is now coming a bit more public, a bit more to the forefront. Um, but I do think it's really important to make sure that, you know, we separate out humanitarian diplomacy um, from politics or, you know, making sure that there's a distinction that, that humanitarian diplomacy is not humanitarian politics. Humanitarian diplomacy is about trying to affect change um, at a, in a different way and at a different level um, in terms of, you know, particular contexts or, or the humanitarian system writ large. Great. I think that is actually a fantastic concluding remark as we are running out of time a bit as well. Unless, Reshma, you have anything else that you'd like to add to our conversation? No, I mean, thanks very much for having us. Uh, and it's really, uh, yeah, it's really interesting to be talking about, about the way that MSF approaches this. So, so thanks very much. Fantastic. Very happy to have you here as well. And for our listeners, thank you so much for tuning in to the Humanitarian Diplomacy Podcast and stay tuned for more episodes later on.